Good morning, church. Very glad to join you through the online platform and also through the Truth FM 90.7. It's a joy that we can connect through this platform. Last week, we had Reverend Okeo bringing us God's word on experiencing God through life storms. Today, we will be sharing on experiencing God by staying focused on his mission particularly what the church should do during this pandemic. Currently, the whole world is focused on COVID-19, particularly its negative impact in, uh, that is creating in the, uh, the socio-economic uh, front. A lot of focus is being put on stopping the spread of, it, of this virus, and also a lot of focus is being put on getting a vaccine and a cure. We pray that God blesses these efforts. The truth is, this pandemic has changed our lifestyles. It has changed the lifestyles of so many people. Normally, people would be focused on getting more possession. Some would be focused on pleasure. Some would be focused on power. Unfortunately, this is not possible for many. As at this point in time, International travel is restricted. Most joints are closed. Everyone is trying to be safe so that they do not catch the virus. One lesson for sure that we've learned uh, is that we can lose everything that we've invested our time, energy, resources without any warning. Many people who had great plans for their future Without notice, with a, with a very short span of time, have left us. My prayer and hope is that many of them had used their time here on earth as God had intended. This begs the question, how should we be using our time while we are here on earth? Or rather, what should we be focusing on from God's perspective? You know, it's very, very important as we see what is happening around us that we ask deeper questions about life. Because what I believe this pandemic has done to us is to help us elevate our thinking to say, today I would be there, tomorrow I'm not there. But what is the best use of my time when I'm here on earth, particularly during this time of crisis? And my question is even more narrowed to the church itself. What should the church be doing during this time of, a, of crisis? In Acts 11 and 12, we find a church that was going through a similar situation. Though theirs was different, they were going through persecution. The common denominator here is people were losing their lives. The early church, uh, there was persecution and people are being killed. You remember Stephen was stoned, and so out of the stoning, people spread throughout uh, running for their dear lives. We'll read a few chapters, a few verses in Acts 11 to help us appreciate what the church was going through. In Acts 11:19, the Bible says, now, those who are scattered after the persecution, 
that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenistic, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. During this time of persecution, as the church spread, people ran for their dear lives. They ran, but ran with a purpose in mind. They knew that they were missionaries wherever God sends them. As they went to these new cities, they spread God's word, but we hear as well that they got the news that there was famine back in Jerusalem, and they got money together, sent them through Barnabas and Saul, so that the money could be taken back to Judea for those who are suffering. And at the same time, while they were doing this, the Bible tells us in uh, Acts 12 that King Herod was turning the heat on the church, and he began killing those who are leaders. He began with James. And when James was killed, the Jews who were against Christianity became very happy. And so they said, let's go to the leader of these people, Peter. And so they turned the heat on Peter by arresting him. And so Peter was put in prison, uh, but the Lord saved him. There are a few lessons that we would like to learn from this story in Acts chapter 11 and 12 that would help us as a church at this particular time during this crisis to stay focused on the mission of God. One of the lessons that we learn is that as a church of Christ, we should be focused in helping people secure eternal destiny in Christ. We should be focused in helping people secure eternal destiny in Christ. The threats of losing their life was real during this time. While they were running for their dear lives, they realized there's something more important than our dear lives, and that is the saving of the souls of men and women. So as they went to any other place, they would share that life-saving message. Church, you know this is very urgent. Sometimes we take eternal destiny so casually and so lightly, and we've not given it the weight that the Bible gives it. I'm told of a story of two young men who were in a boat, and it was in these uh, big rivers, and it, was, it had rained, and so the levels of the water had gone up, and the force uh, was, was it, it was running with a lot of force. So these two young men were in this boat, and they were riding, you know, it was, uh, there were these manually boats that were rowed, you know, the boats that were rowed manually. And so as they went, they realized that uh, the torrents were getting more stronger, and they were actually going to lose their lives. So one of them was a Christian. So he thought to himself, you know, I am secure. If anything happens to me right now, I can go to heaven and I'll be fine. So he immediately turned to his friend and said, my friend, the way I see the water 
levels and uh, the, the speed at which we are going, we may be drowning anytime. Me, I've accepted Christ. Have you accepted Jesus? Because if I die today for me, I'm going to heaven. The other one told me, my friend, don't bother me about the discussion of heaven right now here. What you need to do is row the boat and I'll row my side and we'll be okay. The other person who was a Christian told him, yes, I fully understand. I'm doing my part. I'm rowing, and, but I'm very concerned for you because should we drown, me, I know where I'm headed. I'll be in the hands of Jesus today. But for you, I'm not sure. So as they rowed, the water began you know, getting into the boat. And then they began sinking. And so he turned to his friend again, the Christian turned to his other friend and said, my friend, I'm praying for you that you would respond and accept Christ because that is the only way you will have your eternal destiny. That today, if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you will have eternal life. And should anything happen to us, you will be with me and with our Lord Jesus in heaven. So the other guy kept quiet and began trying. He said, please, let's turn the boat and try to row this other direction. And immediately, they, as they were beginning to drown, he turned to his friend and said, what did you say about Christ? How can I get to heaven? And the friend led him there to Christ. He prayed for him as they were drowning, and they both, were, uh, they both went underwater. Later, after several hours, a few hours of search, they were both found. Interestingly, uh, the Christian survived. The other guy went. But he told the story that he felt moved to say, we are going to die. I'm okay. But this gentleman here doesn't know Jesus, and he will spend time in eternal damnation. I should share this gospel with him. For him, he knew that the message was urgent, and he needed to share it. Church, we are living at a such a time right now where the sharing of the gospel message is urgent. The church has to have the urgency of sharing the gospel just like the early church. Even as they were going under persecution, they were running away for their dear lives. They never said, let's save ourselves first so that we can share the gospel. They understood that their lives is in the hands of God who has given them a mission to spread the gospel. They also understood that the mission of God is more important than their situation. That God wants all men and women to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. They understood that God is love and wants all people to be saved. They understood that the stakes are high. It is about this. It is about either spending life in eternity with God or in damnation. For them, sharing the gospel was an urgent matter. You see, church, salvation of mankind is a very serious thing before God. It's an agenda that was discussed in heaven. It took God the Father accepting to send the Son after they are discussed to say, yes, we will send Jesus to come down so that we can save mankind. We can bring them back to us. We can give them life and life eternal. It is a serious agenda that God himself accepted to say, I will take a human form. And he came down. Just think about that. 
that God leaves heaven, takes a human form, comes and dwells amongst us so that we can receive this gift of eternal life. You see, sin has separated people from God. Christ said, I'll come and pay the penalty to reconcile people to God. He wants his message to reach all the people. The mandate of sharing that message has been given to you and to me, has been given to the church. If you call yourself an ordinary Christian, you are the person. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have that mandate to take the gospel message to the world. Remember, it is not often that God came down. This was very serious that he came and lived amongst us. The other time that God came down on a mission of deliverance was in Exodus 3, 7 through 10, where he comes and tells Moses, I've seen the oppression of my people. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 7, it says this, And the Lord says, I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land and, and, and bring them from that land to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, and he names all the other tribes that lived there. When God says, I have come down, I have personally come to intervene, it is a very serious message. It's a very serious issue. So when he came to deliver the Israelites, he told Moses, I'm sending you. You know, it's a very interesting thing. I've looked through scripture. God has always chosen to use human beings to reach human beings. He hasn't chosen other ways. He would have actually brought an angel to shout and to go to Pharaoh's home and say, Pharaoh, let my people go. But he has chosen to use human beings to take his message to other fellow human beings. And so for this case, he chose Moses to deliver the message. And he tells Moses in verses 10 of Exodus, I'm sending you. I need you as a vessel. I will do the work of, of, of delivering. You deliver the message. You see, it's the same, same message, church. God is saying, the saving of the people is my work. What I only need are vessels, are instruments, are people that will say, yes, here I am, Lord, send me. And he says, I will use you. But like Moses, many of us give excuses. In verses 11 of chapter, uh, of, of that chapter 3, Moses tells God, you know, God, I'm the wrong person. Uh, you haven't, I, I, you know, you, I don't know whether you've seen, you know me well. <laughs> I'm the wrong person. You, you, you are sending the wrong person. And God tells him, no, it's not about you. It is me who is using you. Moses goes to the next excuse. He says, God, even I don't know you well enough to represent you. I haven't understood your word well so that I can be able to deliver it to the people. God tells him, don't worry. I'll, I'll give you the word. The little I'll reveal to you, just share that and go with, with, with the word. 
that's always us. We say we haven't been Christians long. We haven't learned God's words enough, God's word enough that we can share. God says, whatever I've done for you, share that testimony. Share that testimony. And in chapter 4, verses 1, Moses says, God, for sure, yes, I'm willing to go, but they will not believe me. You know, I'm not even respected. I'm not respected by people. I will, God tells Moses, Moses, don't worry. What do you have in your hand? A staff? Throw it down, it turns to a snake. Pick it back, it becomes a, a rod, you know, a staff. And he tells him, go, I'll be with you. I will show those people that I'm with you. My presence will be with you. And Moses now realizes in all corners his excuses won't work. He says, God, you know, I've never been eloquent. I, I cannot even speak. And God tells him, now, Moses, I think he was, I don't know whether, whether, whether he would say he would lose his patience. He's saying, Moses, you know, I'm the creator. I, I made your mouth. I, I can give you a very good speech. But anyway, just because you are giving all these excuses, bring your brother Aaron and I will have him go with you. Brethren, there is no excuse that is justifiable before God. When God calls us to take the life-saving message, a message that would change the destiny of somebody, there is no excuse that we can give to God. The lesson we see here is let us cooperate with God and stop giving excuses. The eternal destiny of many people has been put in our hands. Let us share the gospel and help them secure their eternal destiny in Christ. It's that urgent, and it's even urgent right now when people are going through this crisis. Please let's share the gospel message. The second lesson we learn from the early church is during a time of crisis like this, the church should be helping people live God's word. The church should be helping people live God's word. In verses 26, we are told that, uh, you know, Barnabas took Paul to Antioch and they met as a church and taught God's word, the word that transforms. I'll read uh, verses 26, says, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. An amazing truth here. When people come to Christ, they need to grow in him. They need to go deeper. And the only way people can grow deeper in God is by living out the word that they are taught. You know, we were created to become like Christ. God's intention is that our character should be that that, ref that reflects Jesus Christ. And the only way we can get that is by exposing ourselves to God's word through the teaching of his words. You know, church, God's word transforms. I am normally, when I read Genesis, I'm always amazed. When God says, and let there be the heavens, and there comes the heavens, and let there be this. Through his word, the whole world is created. God's word is creative. God's word transforms. It changes. I've seen in my life, my few years as a Christian, I've seen God's word transform 
mean and hostile people into compassionate and kind people. I've seen God's word transform people full of hatred to be loving people. I've seen God's word transform people who are desperate to be people of faith and hope. I've seen God's word transform a proud person to be a meek and humble person. I've seen God's word transform someone who's been used to lying and not saying the truth to be a person who is truthful. God's word transforms. God's word transforms. And particularly as you read his word and allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit, allow God's spirit to take control of you. In Galatians 5.22, the Bible says, the fruit of the spirit, that is the transformed person, will, uh, uh, will look like this. You know, the, the fruit of the person who is transformed uh, the fruit will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That is actually the character of Christ. We are created to be like Christ. The world will be a better place as we wait for our eternal home if we allow God to change us to be like Christ. You get that character by feeding on God's word and living it out. I want to encourage us as the Church of Christ that let's study God's word as a family. Let's also be part of a small group. And you tell me right now, you know, we can't meet as a small group. We don't have, you know, we are not allowed to do that. I was very encouraged in our church here. Uh, one of the groups actually, Umoja Cell Group, but also the group that I'm, I'm part of. Uh, which is the Kiambu uh, Road, they're actually meeting on Zoom and uh, they are studying God's word together and, and, and they are growing together. I want to encourage all of us to take advantage of technology and let's be part of a small group. As we study God's word, God's word will help us to, to be like Christ as we help others to live out God's word as well. The third thing we learn from this passage, again, is the church needs to be focusing on helping the needy people. You know, when we read in uh, chapter 27, after uh, the teaching in Antioch, we are told that in, those, in these days, the, uh, the prophet came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Akaba stood and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. They, this they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Church, this subject is not new, and yet it's a very, very, very important subject in our Christian walk. Most of us probably think as long as I've accepted Christ, that is sufficient for me. But the Bible teaches us that we love the Lord with all our heart, but we also love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Jesus took this message very, very seriously. In fact, in Matthew 25, from 31 through 46, 
He tells us that during the final judgment, he will separate the goats from the sheep. And basically the separation is based on what did you do to the needy. In verses 35, he says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. So the point that Jesus was uh, telling his disciples is, when we help the poor, when we help the needy, we are actually serving Christ. He goes further to question our faith if we are not touched by the plight of the needy, the plight of the poor. He even disassociates with those who did not help the needy. In fact, in verses 41, he says, away with you, those who did not do that. Church, out of our faith should flow good works. We should be generous in all areas of life. We are saved to do good works. The question for me that I have for you today is what good works are you involved in during this time? It may be just calling and encouraging others. It may be giving food to the needy around you. The people who work in your home, those who help you in, in your security, in your grounds. It may be giving to the church to assist the poor. This is a subject that I pray that God will help us even in future to discuss or to, to look at the scriptures more because the church is the bride of Christ. The church is there to reach out to the community in the name of Christ so that as people receive those gifts, they see Jesus and they give glory to Jesus. You know, I tell people these days, this one man show where an individual just wants to do it, that's fine. But the question is, who is getting the glory? Christ should get the glory. And as you give through the church, and that's why our tithes and all should come through the church so that the church can serve, can touch people's lives. It may be by helping a community with soap to wash their hands. It may be by providing people who are needy with masks. When we become the hands and the feet of Christ, God gets all the glory and his church is blessed. Now, the early church knew this truth. My prayer for you and me is let's focus on helping the poor. God the Father is very concerned about the poor, the widows, and the aliens, generally the needy. The other lesson we learn in this passage is by being a church, we should be focused on helping people experience God's intervention through prayer. We see this in chapter 12. Very interestingly, as the church spread under persecution, under very difficult circumstances, Herod, who was the king then, was not happy. The Jews, who were also against Christianity, were not happy. 
And so they wanted to see how they can kill this thing that is really spreading very, very strongly. But amazingly, you cannot stop the work of God. So Herod stretches out his hand in verses 1 to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. So Peter is seized, put in prison. But a very interest in verses 5, this is what the church did. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayers was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound in two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. Praise God. The church focused on prayer, and God did a miracle. God did a miracle because somebody, some people knew where the power lay. The power did not lie in the king's palace. The power did not lie with the soldiers. The power did not lie with the walls. The power lay in God. And the church knew that and they said, the only way Peter can be comforted, taken care of, rescued, is when we go in our knees and call on our God to come and rescue him. You know, church, the prison was tightly manned and there was no way Peter would escape. But you know, we have a God who is not limited by anything. The story of Peter gives us hope that God is not limited by anything. So while he was sleeping between two guards, the angel wakes him up, walks him out, the doors open by themselves, and he's walked out to a safe place, and Peter walks to join his brethren. God has no limitations, but it takes men and women who go on their knees to pray, to call on the name of God, and God will intervene in those situations that you may be in. You may be feeling you are in a prison of some sort, whether it's financial, emotional, spiritual, physical, or mental. I have good news for you. God is able to break through any prison of the enemy, any prison that the enemy has put you in. The Lord will deliver you. As the church prayed constantly, God sent his angel to rescue his servant. God cannot be restricted by time and space. The enemy cannot stop God's work. You know, the very interesting thing is God still had work for Peter to do. And so there was nothing that could stop Peter from doing God's work. The fact that you are still alive, God has a mission for you. God has a mission for you. And nothing should restrict you from performing the mission that God has given you. No prison should put you, no wall, no, nothing, no bondage, nothing should come and, and, and put you in bondage so that you don't do that which God 
wants you to do. He's ready to deliver you out of, the, out of, that, out of that bondage. We serve a miracle-working God. The laws of nature obey him. Demons obey him. He has power over all. What is it that I, what are you going through? My encouragement to you today is go to your knees. Tell it to God. Ask some brothers and sisters to go to their knees to ask God. God has the power. Through prayer, we will overcome. You may be fearful and worried. You may be feeling indebted. You may be feeling you are in deep, deep depression or you are in deep bondage. God has power to rescue you out of all that. That is the good news we learn from this portion of scripture today. And it is through prayer, as we intercede to God, God delivers us from all our challenges. The power of Herod seemed to be too strong to the church that actually, when even Peter was out, they almost doubted. But when God acts, there's nothing that is too powerful for him. The same Herod, who felt very powerful, actually exalted himself and uh, was to be worshipped, but God told him, you are a human being, and killed him. Church, let's help people experience God's intervention through prayer during this time. It is through prayer that we will experience breakthroughs, great breakthroughs, with the challenges that we are going through even during this time of COVID-19. My prayer is that as a church, we will focus on helping people experience God's intervention. We'll be helping the poor in meeting their needs. We'll be helping people live God's word. We'll be helping people secure their eternal destiny. If you have been listening to me and you are not sure about your eternal destiny, I want to give you the opportunity. Christ loves you dearly. He died for you and wants you to accept him as Lord and Savior so that you can have eternal life. Jesus said, for I came. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. And John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should have eternal uh, life. I want to invite you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that is your prayer today, would you repeat this after me? Lord Jesus, I have heard your word. I want to confess my sin. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart. And thank you for forgiving my sins. If you've prayed that prayer with me, I ask that please, uh, just uh, using the number that is on the screen, you call our church office and somebody will pray with you. And if you are not close by here, please, and you know our pastor and the church that is close by, please uh, call them and they will pray with you. The Lord bless you and thank you so much. We thank God for his word and may the Lord bless you all.